show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Walgreens' latest earnings call. How are Walgreens and Village MD investing, scaling, and partnering? And what can we learn from their upward trajectory? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome back Victor Rice to shed some light on being a vice president of consumerism for a major health system. Victor knows that if it was easy to undergo a consumer transformation, more organizations would be further along that journey. So it's important to acknowledge the challenges in going down this path. He describes what led to UNC Health recognizing the need for for this role, how the role is structured, and how he measures success. Hint, it's a team effort. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Walgreens Provider Network is taking off, powered by Village MD and their recent acquisition of Summit Health. CEO Roz Brewer shared that sentiment during their January 5th earnings call. According to Forbes, she pointed to some interesting figures as evidence. See if you can follow the names and numbers here, and try to keep up. Village MD is leading the way in value-based care for the country, with 393 clinics as of year-end, including 200 co-located with Walgreens drugstores. Following the close of the Summit transaction last week, Village MD now operates over 680 locations across 26 markets. Village MD bought Summit Health for $8.9 billion to expand doctor-staffed clinics across the country, and Walgreens invested $3.5 billion in debt and equity to support the deal. Walgreens already owns more than 60% of Village MD. The transaction also includes health insurer Cigna's health services business Evernorth, and Summit Health merged with City MD in 2019 to create a company with more than 1,400 healthcare providers that offer primary specialty and urgent care. Phew, how'd you do? Can you remember all the players involved? Well, now here's the key. Remember I said that their provider network is taking off? Here's why I find that so important and relevant. The Forbes article stated that having more healthcare services and closer relationships with physicians makes Walgreens medical care provider network more attractive to health insurance companies looking for more convenient and lower cost primary care options for their clients. Now, what are the effects, you ask? No big deal. They just raised their 2023 guidance by $4 billion. That's all. The article also stated that the early and future success of the Village Medical at Walgreens clinics is already figuring into a more positive future financial outlook. Executives raised the company's full-year sales guidance from $133.5 billion to $137.5 billion, reflecting its Summit Health acquisition, refreshed currency rates, and fiscal year first quarter sales ahead of expectations. Now, just so you know, we spoke with 
with Village MD CEO Tim Barry about the summit acquisition in November. That's episode number 240. We also spoke with Dr. David Hatfield, Village Medical President, in October about Village Medical at Walgreens. He calls them VMWs. That's episode number 236. And we spoke with Dr. Thomas Cornwell, head of Village Medical at Home, about value-based care and home-based primary care in August. And that's episode number 227. Pro tip, you can find the episode numbers at the end of the show notes for each episode. So if you can't tell, we like keeping an eye on VillageMD because they seem to be firing in all cylinders right now. They're scaling, they're investing, they're creating retail offerings, and they're banking on attracting health insurance partners. And it doesn't just fit their business model, it's driving their trajectory. Let's all keep an eye on disruptors like Walgreens as they continue to put their money where their mouth is. Let's learn how to scale, invest, and partner as we continue to explore the frontiers of consumer health. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. The Flow. The Flow. The Flow. All right, let's get into the flow, folks. Give it up for my man, Victor Rice. Victor is the Vice President of Consumerism, Growth Marketing, and Insights for UNC Health. Victor, welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I always enjoy connecting with you. Victor, tell us a quick Victor 101. What, what did I miss your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? And then, then we'll get, we, we got a few questions about more about your role in the organization, the consumers and portion of your role. Let's just start with that. Let, tell us more about Victor. Yes, uh, you probably missed in my bio because I didn't want to place it in my bio because some of these things are might be considered embarrassing, but something surprising that you did not know and I'm sure the audience is not aware of is that I have never watched an episode of This Is Us, Friends, or Seinfeld, so please don't judge me. My greatest fear, I don't like elevators. I don't like them. I don't trust them and because I was stuck on a high-rise elevator several years ago, so it's a scary moment. We all have almost been, I call it business blunders. And my almost biggest business blunder is that I almost asked a celebrity to excuse themselves out of a photo shoot. I, that person did not look like a celebrity that day. And so I was motioning for our event manager to excuse this person out of the photos. So good news is I did not move forward with that, but I almost made a big blunder. And finally, my favorite childhood cartoons that have taught me a lot about business, and that's the Flintstones and the Jetsons. And the reason why they taught me a lot about business is that even today, We deal with a lot of Flintstones and Jetsons in our day-to-day work. And when I say Flintstones, you have a lot of people who are comfortable with the status quo, but then you have some who are Jetsons who are trying to move in advance to that next dimension. So those are the things that uh, did not appear in my bio. Amazing, amazing. Let's do this, Victor, to make the most of our time. I, I want to just give people a broader idea because I've always been intrigued since the first time you and I connected online and then we've had the fortune to meet in person. When we first connected, I was intrigued, I will tell you straight up, just by your title, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I feel like this is something that we're going to see a lot more. And the, t- the context I shared with you before we hit record here was an article in Forbes that I read a few months ago. 
It was about the rise of the, I don't remember the exact word for it, but it was basically marketing leadership has outgrown just marketing. And they're giving examples of the quote unquote marketing and officer, marketing and something else. And how many leaders do we see? This is very common in healthcare, but they were talking about not just healthcare, they were talking about a lot of different organizations. But the fact that a lot of marketing leaders do have additional responsibilities. And so when those additional responsibilities include things like, in your title, consumerism and and growth marketing and insights, that's intriguing to me because I feel like it's an evolution. I feel like it's an indication of this recognition that marketing involves a lot of things, not just in and of itself, because we could spend a couple of hours, maybe the rest of the day, (laughs) talking about the complexities of structuring a marketing department in and of itself, then you add these other components and it just tells you that things are changing. So I wonder if we can start just with a deep dive on on your responsibilities. So with your role as, as vice president, like I said, of consumerism, growth marketing and insights, a lot of cool things packed in there, but can, can you tell us a little bit more about those responsibilities and where does that role fit within your organization? Absolutely. So first off, the role sits within our strategic marketing and communications department. I will tell you, I am not a big fan of org charts because sometimes they unintentionally create silos. So the best way I like to describe where my role sits is that we are both a vertical and a horizontal team. When we wake up in the morning and as we engage in our day-to-day decision-making, we are aligned around a single purpose. And that purpose for UNC Health is that we believe access to world-class healthcare is essential to creating strong, thriving communities. And so we want to make sure all of our roles and responsibilities, we understand the why and what is our promise. And our promise is that we help people get well and stay well throughout their lives. And for my particular teams that I have responsibility for, which is our consumer insights team, our brand marketing and growth marketing strategy team, marketing technology and operations, our value proposition to our internal stakeholders is that we are champions of the brand and voice of the consumer. And our elevator speech is simple. We are that bridge that connects people we serve to the care we give, experts in consumer behavior, And stewards of our reputation, we ensure that when North Carolinians think of better health, they think first of UNC Health. So our world-class marketing team prioritizes consumers, which might be new. Again, when you look at the title of consumerism, we are intentional about how we prioritize consumers in our day-to-day decision-making. So again, our consumer insights and research team This is a dedicated team that we have at UNC Health where that team is responsible for gathering and acting upon consumer insights and serving as the voice of the consumer for their entire healthcare system. Our brand growth and marketing strategy teams help us activate our brand so we can connect to consumers and physician audiences across the state of North Carolina And finally, our marketing technology and operations team is really, they power the technology and the infrastructure operations to create powerful, 
digital consumer experiences. So over the past three and a half years, when you take the roles and responsibilities and the focus in on consumer, um, I argue that our team has had the ability to rapidly accomplish transformational change through our consumer segmentation. We know our audiences and how to reach them. Our new brand positioning helps us articulate how we are different and why people should care. We've added our new brand and perceptual tracking that helps us measure consumers' perceptions of our brand across all of our markets. Our migration to Salesforce helps us connect our CRM across the healthcare system. We are evolving our web experience and a new find a doctor to make it easy for consumers to choose us. And we've also have trained all of our team members on agile. So we are efficient and effective in the execution of our programs. Wow, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm really focusing in on what all this role involves, just like a pure marketing role as has very clearly evolved over the years, but you might break it down into, like I said, there, there might be a branding team, there might be a strategic marketing team, there might be service line marketer, there might be digital roles with all of the, the spectrum there, from web content to social to email to paid, organic, SEO, you name it. Uh, they're all the components of it that kind of make up a marketing team. What are some of those other roles that have evolved? You mentioned consumer segmentation for one. So I imagine that's either a market research or or just a consumer research, or, or I, I guess trying to really lock down what the roles are that help gain those insights that help you provide the voice of the consumer. You know what I mean? Like what those roles are themselves. Yes. So for the consumer segmentation, that resides within our consumer insights team. And if I could back up for a moment, when I arrived in 2019 at UNC Health, we did not have a consumer insights team. But part of our strategic ambition is that we wanted to build out a consumer capability. And so the foundational capability was the establishment and creation of a consumer insights team. So part of the early deliverable with the consumer insights team is that we develop a proprietary consumer segmentation model. Among other things that the consumer insights team has been charged with, we also are building out our consumer analytics capabilities. As you can imagine in healthcare, healthcare is rich with a lot of data, a lot of patient data, where a lot of healthcare systems, what they lack today compared to, let's call it retail or new market entrance, is consumer, consumer data. And so this team is helping build out and ingest the healthcare system with the breadth of consumer analytics information. So now you take that and you pair that with your internal information that you know about healthcare consumers. So now you have a better idea of how to, I would call it, evolve your existing or even new or future service offerings where they might be attractive to consumers, 
but also build greater attachment, uh, which ultimately leads to loyalty. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That really helps kind of show what leads up to being able to provide that value, especially on the voice of the consumer side. So thank you. So I think that has to do with the, again, the consumerism portion of your role. What are the, some of those greatest opportunities and some of those greatest challenges that you've had, especially on the consumer side as you've been growing that that capability, if you will. Yeah, so I think it's important to understand the contextual backdrop. So what's driving this thing called consumer or consumerism in healthcare? And it's simple. Patients, consumers, are paying higher out-of-pocket healthcare costs. So naturally, they're looking for a healthcare experience that mirrors that that they experience in other service sectors. Healthcare consumers now are demanding healthcare experiences that are frictionless as those that they experience in their daily life. So consumerism is more than a job. It's really, it's adjusting and influencing the organization around a mindset. So consumerism, I will argue, is a mindset. If you take a look at, as I break my job down into percentages, 40% of my time, is focused on building out that capability and infrastructure. The next 30% is for advocating for choice, ensuring that when people or consumers are shopping, that they have choice and they can make informed decisions. And the remaining 30% is around encouraging change. So consumerism is a lot about change, changing processes, changing business decisions, changing investments, changing the dynamic from is it a patient versus a consumer. So all of that involves change. So here's the opportunity. As I tell people, there are 525,600 minutes in a year. So let's just say if you estimate a person visits a doctor offices maybe three or four times a year, That equates to, let's say, 100 minutes. So for my role, from a consumerism perspective, I have the opportunity to influence the 525,500 minutes when the individual is not in a healthcare setting. So that means that I can operate in that space of wellness, awareness, lifestyle, and prevention-focused health activities or all of the decisions that occurs in a daily life or before a person decides to log on or visit a physical facility. So I have an opportunity, I call it 525,500 reasons. So that is the opportunity. The challenge with consumerism is that people are still having this debate. Is it consumer versus patients? For some, it's a trigger moment. There's a lot of debate. So where I've landed is that instead of debating consumer versus patients, let's focus in on even if that you want to argue that that person is a patient. Well, there's a lot of things that occurred before that person actually arrived into your healthcare setting. And for many of you, you probably have heard me use the analogy of airplanes. If I have to go to a particular destination, I will look, I will examine my options to see if a particular carrier goes from my city to that particular destination. 
Is it at a convenient time? What is the price? So that allows me to compare the pricing. And although the price might be right and they actually go, it may not be at a convenient time based upon my schedule, not their schedule, but my schedule. So when I arrive, let's say if it's Delta Airlines, when I arrive and walk onto that aircraft, I move from a consumer to a passenger. So I would argue there is a strong correlation to the decision-making that there's a consumer. Now, we're not talking about a person who's had an adverse event that's in the emergency room and they don't have a choice. We're talking about when that individual can make a decision on a healthcare system, a doctor, or urgent care facility, or a different entry point. That is what consumerism is all about. I just want to throw my hands up and say, preach, man. You know how much I agree with this and the, the thoughts that lead up to it and the experiences that we each had. Most of us, you know, with personal experiences encountering the healthcare system and it's eye opening and the acknowledgement that there are choices during certain parts of that consumer journey. I think that's where the evolution is happening right now. And you know, one of my favorite topics is how marketing can influence all of this, how marketing can play a leading role in what we refer to as consumer transformation, which again, this is one of my my hopes that the term itself can start to be more agreed upon. There can be more of a consensus about just how this refers to the underlying business systems themselves that contribute to how somebody encounters a healthcare professional and how easy it is to engage with them and trust them and make those choices. Because that's where we're, I think as, a, as an industry, we're all learning a lot. So I'm curious from the marketing standpoint of all of this, how do you think marketing plays a role? Because, you know, I'm out there on record saying I feel like marketing can play a leading role in the consumer transformation side of all of this. But what do you think? Do you agree with that? And if so, how do you think marketing can play that leading role? I absolutely agree. And I will just give everyone a caution. By default, when people think of marketing, they might think of some type of advertising trigger or you are trying to attempt to get someone to do something that they may not want to do. I argue that marketing is more aligned to strategy. And so if you really want to make an impact, and consumer transformation, make sure your marketing operation is aligned to your strategic priorities. To that end, make sure that your capabilities not only support the priorities, but they also provide answers or instructive insights to strategic questions. So those strategic questions can vary, but they typically are centered around what is the winning aspiration for that healthcare system, where to play, how to win, and what are the capabilities that need to be in place. And for a bonus, I'll throw out this additional question, and it's probably the most powerful question is, what needs to be true? Because there's a lot we can discuss, but what needs to be true in order for it to be attractive to a particular consumer? So in order for marketing to have, to really influence and drive transformation, especially for consumer, you have to be focusing on building solutions, making sure that you are addressing real needs and consumer jobs to be done, not navel gazing and operating based upon a set of beliefs or assumptions, but make sure they're aligned to consumer jobs to be done. You also have the second one is connectivity. Make sure that it's simple, frictionless, Interaction points in digital 
analog and physical. The third is around engagement. Make sure that that engagement is so meaningful that it creates fierce loyalty and trust that alters behavior. And finally, it's around perception and positioning. How is that brand perceived in the minds or how does it fit within that particular brand position? So the second area that I would argue for transformation is that marketing has to run what I call a prevent defense to guard the organization from the Icarus effect. If you're, if you're familiar with the fabled Icarus of Greek mythology, it is said that he flew so high and so close to the sun that his artificial wax wings melted and he plunged to the sea. So it was really the power of Icarus wings that led him to his doom. So if you know, if you're familiar with the story, everyone knows that Icarus's father made him wings but he told him not to fly too close to the sun. But he ignored the warning and plunged to his doom. But we tend to forget that Icarus was also warned not to fly too low because seawater could ruin the lift in his wings. So flying low is even more dangerous than flying too high. So what does that mean for healthcare systems? Is that oftentimes especially in marketing, we can see it. We can see that the organization is trapped in this, what I call it, flying low, playing it safe, rinse and repeat of old models, not a willing to own up that it's difficult to schedule. There are long wait times for appointments, and we consider that just business as usual. And we also sometimes tend to be fascinated with buildings and, of course, sick care. All this means is that our previous success leads us to specialization and exaggeration and to confidence, complacency, dogma, and ritual. So it's up for the marketing to be the truth serum. As I tell people, sometimes it's the marketing department that has to be willing to call the baby ugly. And remember, some people don't want to fly high or they don't want pie in the sky. They prefer a ham in the hand. And finally, is my recommendation for consumer transformation is that for the marketing team, they need to be willing to sound the alarm. Sound the alarm if you realize that the organization is on a burning platform. I jokingly say this, but my fear for many hospitals or healthcare systems is that we are running out of time for relevance. If we don't course correct, we will find ourselves being Blockbuster General Memorial Hospital at the intersection of Blackberry Avenue and Kodak Drive. I love that analogy. I got to say, Carrie Lichen used that and acknowledged you at a client symposium that she and I attended a few months ago. And it was like the visual of it was just stark. And, you know, I also want to acknowledge here, it's safe to say that if it was easy to undergo this type of consumer transformation, more organizations would be further along that journey. So I want to acknowledge the challenge in going down this path. And with that said, it's also fair to say when we 
flip that switch. And this is kind of an exercise in understanding the voice of the consumer. We flip that switch and we say, let's put ourselves in the consumer's shoes, which ironically is pretty easy for most people to do because this is different than encountering retail or encountering some other or banking, you know, or a restaurant or whatever. Almost everyone has encountered healthcare, either them or their loved ones in the recent past and can point to an experience that was less than desirable. So it should be pretty easy for us to take a step back and put ourselves in the shoes of a consumer. I feel like it's pretty safe to say that a majority of consumers, when we, again, would take a step back and say, like, don't think like somebody who is in the healthcare profession. I'm thinking just like a consumer. It's pretty safe to say that most people just don't understand all that complexity that happens behind this the scenes and they really don't care. They don't need to understand prior authorization. They don't need to understand rev cycle. They genuinely don't. They just don't want it to be so hard. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, this is kind of applying a lot of the things you've shared and some of the, the successes that you've been able to see. How do you think the team at UNC Health is working to design a better experience for consumers? I would say at UNC Health, we're not perfect, but we are committed and we are well along the journey to creating what we call an unrivaled experience. I like to describe our current state is that we are navigating through dis-ease, but not disease. So when I say dis-ease, D-I-S hyphen ease. So we realize that the current experience is not optimal, right? In medical terms, when you say someone is at dis-ease, you see a lot of this in a chiro- uh, the chiropractic doctor. That means the body is not at optimal health. It's missing something. So we are focused in on flipping the dilemma, managing our today strategy with a tomorrow strategy. And we're hyper-focused in on what I would call the customer journey, but not necessarily just the journey but looking at those pain points. So along that journey, what are those friction points or pain points? And what can we do as far as business decisions, investments, and resources to take those pain points and turn those into delightful moments? I like to characterize those in three areas. We're focused on how people access um, the care. That's around personalization, making it simple and convenient. Imagine that, right? And how we receive care, faster service. How can we eliminate weight? There's some of those things we can do to improve the actual delivery of care. And then finally, which sometimes is often overlooked is, you know, how does a consumer pay for care? How can we make that easy and connect them to the resources and tools to make that easy or in some cases it helps their decision make it or comfort if they decide to move forward with a particular procedure. So experience is a part of our organization-wide strategic priorities. It's part of our performance goal. We're measured on it. We are designing for the consumer in mind. And we've also have supplemented our press gaining data with drivers of loyalty. So we know what are those interaction moments that have a strong bearing on loyalty. And so we're focused in on some of our improvement strategies based upon those drivers of loyalty. Finally, and I mentioned this earlier, is how are we focused in on really understanding the consumer jobs to be done? And so we are designing experiences that will help people maintain 
their current health routines? How can we enable people to get back on progress? Because sometimes things just happen and then people get uh, sidetracked, but they want to get back to living their life. And then also, um, how can we help people in their definition of healthy get back to that desired state? Nice. Yeah, there's a lot within that. And I'm really intrigued by the piece about connecting Prescani with loyalty measures. That's that's outstanding. That's important. It's groundbreaking in a lot of ways, but it's also just another piece. Like you mentioned, this isn't just one way to get there. And I think the common theme that we're going to hear more and more as, again, we see the elevation of the consumer transformation role within a lot of more organizations this year, we're going to see a lot of discussion happening at a different level to understand what bakes it, what goes into the baking of it. How do you do this? What's the recipe? And while nobody's probably exactly where they want to be yet, there are some that have been on the journey long enough they can look back and share some of those pieces. And the, yeah, a lot of the things you just mentioned are just some of those other pieces. So yeah, this is really sharing an opportunity. So thanks for sharing that. And kind of along those lines, you personally likely have been able to look at different parts in your career and just think of some of them as pivot points. I'm wondering if you could just share like your say your number one piece of career advice for colleagues in this field at whatever level they're at? Probably, okay, you said number one, maybe let me give you number one and two. <laughs> so really develop your BFF. So what is a BFF? Develop, argue, curiosity and context are BFFs. So let curiosity guide you. Always start with the assumption of positive intent. Understand the why that's, whenever you walk in a room or if you're new to an organization and what must be true in order for an initiative or idea to be viable. And then again, as I mentioned, curiosity and context or BFFs, a context. Always seek additional background and look to uncover what is being said, but also what is not being said. And then as I can just roll up my career advice, and this is for all of us, this is what should guide you from day one until you decide to, let's say, retire. Our role is to plant trees. The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. So oftentimes what you might be challenged with is to create a better tomorrow for those that you may not come into contact with. So let that guide you as far as how you approach daily. For those of us in healthcare, we are advocating and we're pushing forward because we do want to create a better tomorrow for those that we see today, but for those we may not come into contact with tomorrow. Wise words. I think we can do more of that type of sharing too, quite frankly, in the industry, just sharing more of, of that type of mentoring and thought leadership. Last question for you, Victor, before we go here, if we take a step back, we've been talking a lot and digging really deep on the consumerism side. I'm just curious what other trends you're paying attention to right now. It doesn't have to be related to that at all, but what else in the in the field are you paying attention to? So I'm really paying attention and I'm intrigued by the silver tsunami. And this is not a new trend. This has been around, but you look at demographic shifts and what's coming. I don't believe a lot of people are building the infrastructures or really have the focus priorities around the 
silver tsunami. And the reason why it's going to be tsunami because it is going to hit us fast. And I want to know, and I guess, well, from a trend perspective, this is what I see when I witness is that everyone is chasing the millennials, right? And rightfully so, because obviously they will age in into a lot of industries for healthcare. They'll eventually age into healthcare, but we have to make sure that we are not stepping over a quarter to pick up a nickel. And again, Silver Tsunami from a market perspective, it's a huge market. I believe there are some companies out there that are well positioned. When you take a look at, I call some new market entrants, there are people that are designing services that strictly appeal to this Silver Tsunami audience. But I believe there needs to be more. Even from a legacy retailer, I would say Best Buy, they do have a focus in on this mature market or silver tsunami. But I don't believe there is enough infrastructure or a significant focus in on this market that will be here sooner rather than later. Well, that gives us just a lot to think about. And on that note, that's it for this episode. That'll do it for us. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Victor Rice from UNC Health. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.